Good morning, church. How you doing? You probably woke up later than I did. I woke up, I set my alarm for 5 a.m. because I knew I was preaching today, and I was like, oh, it's 5. Why am I so tired? And then I went out and saw my stove clock that said 4, and then I remembered, oh, yeah, I'm exhausted. Time has slipped away from us. It's good to see you guys, if I haven't gotten a chance to meet you yet. My name is Kari. I'm one of the pastors here. My husband, Elisha, and I have the great privilege of overseeing discipleship at our church. And as of recently, I'm also directing women's ministry as well. So being with you guys, this is our home. This is our community. Last time that I was up here preaching, I was seven and a half months pregnant, which, hallelujah, I am not anymore. Thank you, Lord. Our daughter, Oakley, was born about three and a half months ago, and she is a delight, though she made us wait 10 days overdue to have her, which was not delightful at all, but we're glad that she's here now. Um, We also have a son named Law who's three, just turned three, so for a moment in time, we have a three-year-old and a three-month-old, and life is good. Pastor Lance and Polly are away this weekend. We sent them away. We told them to get out of here because we wanted them to have some rest and celebration after their 10-year celebration of being our pastors at PSCC for 10 years. So think about them. Pray for them. But I'm excited that I had the opportunity to share the Word of God with you. Um, I am, like, in this season, because I've got those, these little ones, I'm in this time where I have to spend a lot of time at home. If you've been around an infant, you know that there's not a whole lot of going out of the house. Like, I get, like, like the nervous sweats when I think about taking my kids to the grocery store. You can ask my husband. He does all of the grocery shopping because taking kids out of the house is a really big challenge. But it's not a big deal for me because I love home. Is there anybody else here who's a homebody? In the room, I am a homebody. I love being at home. There's something about it. I think part of it is just that I know the rules. I don't have to make, make a ton of decisions at home. When you're out in the world, you're making decisions like, oh, man, should I, should I buy mac and cheese or organic fruit for my child? Is this going to kill them? You're making a lot of decisions. You're saying, I'm living by other people's rules. When you are at work, you're living by your boss's rules. When you are with friends at their house, you have to kind of figure out where everything is. But at home, you know where everything is. You know the rules. You know exactly what you can wear and what you can't wear. I would be humiliated if you came by my house and saw me in my house pajamas. Like, it's not cute. It's not how I live in my regular life, but it's in my home, and that's a safe place to be. When I come home, I walk through the front door. For me, it's the front door that I walk in, and I'm always a little bit dramatic about the way that I come home. Like, I noticed recently that every time I walk through the front door, I have an audible, like, an audible sigh, and I'm like, ugh, thank God. Like, I say that every time I walk through the front door. There's just something about coming home that's just so, finally. It's actually, it's a little bit dramatic because it's not just the audible sigh. I will throw down my purse wherever I walk in. Thank God. I throw down my purse. I kick off my shoes. I don't put them in any nice place. They're like full on kick. I don't care where they go. And our son-in-law, he knows to get out of the way. It's like, oh, we're home. (laughs) Let mom do her thing. All right, let's, let's, you know, relax. I'm not home I'm not safe until I'm barefoot. That's something that's a big deal to me. I love just being home and relaxing because the anxieties of this world, the pressures of this world, they don't or they shouldn't exist when we're home. Home isn't always a safe place for us, but that's how God created for it to be. Maybe in your home, it's not your whole house. Maybe it's like your bedroom is your safe place. Maybe it's your bed. Maybe it's just the bathroom every time that you're able to shut the door and leave the kids out in the living room if you're in a similar season as me. It's just like every time you get in the bathroom, you shut the door, you're like, made it. Maybe that's where you're at. 
Home is important. You know, home refreshes our soul. There's something so special about it. And, you know, I don't think that that's on accident. I don't think that I'm the only one that feels this way. We actually know that God really values home. He values that. We see for the nation of Israel, they were a country before they had a home. We think about the United States and we think about our borders. There's a lot of talk about our borders right now. That their borders make up what our country is. But Israel was a country before they had borders, before they had land. They spent a long time nomadically moving from place to place. And then for a while, Israel was enslaved to Egypt for about 500 years. So they lived in Egypt without a home. After that, they wandered in the wilderness for another 40 years. And all they wanted were these safe borders, these safe boundaries to call their own. And God promised that to them. He said, I've got some land for you where you're going to make your country, where you're going to make your permanent home, and it's going to be safe. Those boundaries around this country are going to make you safe. And so they longed for that. They called it the promised land because God had promised it to them. We know something's important to God if he spends a lot of time in the Bible talking about it, right? In Deuteronomy and Numbers, we see the setting of the boundary lines for the nation of Israel so they could finally have that safe place at home. And he spends a long time going through each border. It wasn't just for the country. It was for the tribes within the country. Each one. And this was a wonderful time for Israel. King David, many years later, he was the king of Israel. And he wrote a song to God. It was it's Psalm 16. He wrote this song, coming to God, worshiping him. And in it, he spiritualizes that very thing that happened to Israel when they finally had a home. It's in Psalm 16. And it's verses 5 and 6. It says, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. He says, God, you have given me a home. You've given me everything that I have. And this home is safe. You've made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. David's not just saying, God, you've given me a home. He's not just saying that it's safe. But he's saying, I like where the boundary lines are. Personally, in my home, I like where my boundary lines are. I like that I have this front door. I think that when I walk through the front door, I have, it's like I'm transported into another world. I feel safe when I'm inside of it. And it's not like I actually have that much more privacy. We actually have a glass front door. So standing on one, like standing on the porch to standing inside, our neighbors can see exactly, they can see everything. But there's just something about that boundary line that protects us. There's something about that boundary line that makes our home, that keeps us safe. And in that place, God wants us to be healthy. He's saying, God, the boundaries you've set for me, I like. They have fallen in pleasant places. I love what you have given me. Church, for, the, for this week and next week, we're starting a two-week series called Boundaries. What are the boundaries that God has set up in your life? Is there a point at which you will stop and live in the home, in the land that God has given you. Because I think that if we are missing out on boundaries in our life, we are missing out on the inheritance that God wants to give us. Will you pray with me? God, you are good. Lord, we thank you for who you are. Holy Spirit, I pray that this morning as we talk through your word about these concepts, these teachings that you've given us, God, I pray that our hearts would be open to you. God, I thank you that you only want to bless us and that the boundaries you have given us are there to protect us. Lord, we submit to you. God, I pray that your words would flow through me and that our hearts would be receptive to that and that we would encounter you in a new way. Pray you would silence all other voices in Jesus' name. We love you, Lord.
Amen. So the word boundaries, I feel like we kind of hear them in our, in our world today, and they're a little bit jumbled. You know, on one hand, um, we say, you don't need any boundaries. Follow your heart. Do whatever sounds right to you. If you have a dream, pursue it. And if there's somebody who wants to hold you back, you got to cut them off. Get them out. So it's like, have no boundaries, but also keep people away. But then on the other hand, we'll say, how could you be so selfish not to lay down your life for this incredibly good cause that I just posted about on Facebook? You need to give all your money. There's a lot of good things in the world, and we think that we're supposed to run after everything that we want, but we're also supposed to lay down our lives. And we don't really know where those boundary lines are supposed to fall. It's just follow your heart, which is really bad advice. Bible says that your heart is deceitful. But we follow our hearts and we just wander from the next thing to the next thing to the next thing, hoping something's going to give us peace. We don't really know what boundaries are. And part of that, I think, is because of our pursuit of freedom. We want freedom. And in fact, the Bible tells us that it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. So how can we have boundaries? How can we have a line at which we go up to and we stop and be free at the same time? I think we have a misconception on what boundaries actually are and what freedom actually is. You know, freedom is not lack of boundaries. Do you know freedom is, is lack of oppression and addiction? Freedom is living without that thing that's going to hold you down. And do you know how you get into oppression, how you get into addiction? is by crossing boundary lines. And so, truly, boundaries keep us safe and they set us free. We see this in our world and nature. You know, an ocean without boundaries is a tsunami. And it takes out everything in its path. You know, a train who's not on its tracks isn't free. It's only free when it's on its tracks. A train may say, I am so upset that I have to be on these tracks because I want to go anywhere in the world and it's only going to take me to this one place. You remove a train from its tracks, it can't go anywhere. If you have an allergy, say a peanut allergy, you may want to be free and eat a peanut, but trust me, if you do, you won't be free. That thing's going to take you over. When we have boundaries, we are free, and that's the freedom that Christ wants to give us. So what are these boundaries? They are spiritual, they are physical, and they are emotional. Now there's a book, a really popular book out called Boundaries, that I haven't actually read. I read a little bit after I... um, prepared my sermon, then I was like, wow, this is good. I should have read this first. So you may be, con- you may be really like, um, you may be really familiar with that concept, and so I'm not going to say everything that's necessarily in the book, but I think that God wants us to learn about the boundaries he's setting for us. Amen? Amen. All right. We're going to talk, let's, so let's get into it. What are the different type of boundaries? Number one, we have spiritual boundaries. These are the boundaries that God sets for us. You know, in our, I think that in our world today, the idea of boundaries can seem cruel. Like I talked about, you know, we don't want anyone to limit what we do. And when it comes to spiritual boundaries, the Bible gives us incredibly clear instruction. You know, sometimes people will say, man, I just wish that there was a manual for how to live this life. Actually, there is. God gave us the Bible. And it's, an, it's incredibly detailed on the way that we set our spiritual boundaries. That if we live within them, we'll have life. But if we cross over them, we're crossing into sin. I have to be transparent and tell you that sin is a word that even when I'm preaching, I believe it, but it's hard for me to say. Because in our culture today, sin has a lot of 
baggage along with it, doesn't it? You say the word sin, and people will say, that's hateful, that's bigoted, that's controlling, that's judgmental. Don't tell me what my sins are. Sins are really just crossing over the boundaries God has set for us. Does the Bible, does the Bible know our hearts? I believe it does. You know, what's interesting is that it has been suggested that while we have lived in the age of science recently, where science dictates the facts in our world, we are moving as a culture into the age of sentiment. Whatever you think in your heart is the right thing. If you have an emotion attached to something, then it trumps any fact that you can lay down. And this destroys our boundaries because then we make a decision about what is true and what is false and nothing can hold us back. But God, God made the world with some truths in them, some rules, some laws that cannot be broken. And sin is a part of that. You know, I don't want to get down on our culture. I keep talking about, like, in our world today, this happens. I love our culture. Like, I love my iPhone. I love the fact that I'm alive when this thing exists. I love coffee. I like the fact that I can drive through, uh, drive through and get myself some coffee. I love that. I love that as a woman, I'm valued. The world that we live in today, I love this culture. And I think that there's so much godliness in this culture. But sometimes I think as Christians, we wonder if the pace of our world, that, I mean, if we're going to be honest, things have sped up, haven't they? Really, really fast. We just live at breakneck speed. We wonder if maybe we've taken God by surprise. Do the boundaries that God has set out in the Bible actually apply to us today? Have we taken, has, I mean, I, personally, I don't think that, like, Apple coming out with a smartphone surprised God. I don't think he was like, oh, shoot. Everything I said is now invalid because now they're living on technology. God didn't do that. He knew. He knew about our culture and he loves our culture. In fact, this week as I was praying, I felt like God showed me something. There were a few facts that I had known and he put them together for me while I was in prayer that just blew my mind. Do you know that from the time that the Bible was starting to be written about until recently, by most estimates, by many estimates, there were about six billion people who lived and died. Um... It's very difficult to get an exact number because we don't have a lot of census information. But roughly 6 billion people who lived and died between the time when the Bible was starting to be written about until recently. Well, you know that today there are 7 billion people living on this earth. In the last 100 years, our population has quadrupled. So when the Bible was finished being written, it was about 2,000 years ago. So if we, God is, God's inspired word to us was just finished being written about 2,000 years ago, then it's only really from that point until now that people have the ability to read the completed work of the Bible. But it wasn't until the 1440s that the printing press was invented. And then global literacy went through, exploded in the last 200 years. So if you kind of dwindle that down from all the people ever in existence who have the ability to read the Bible, you get down to realize that probably the vast majority of humans who ever have the opportunity to read the Bible live today. I don't think that that's... I don't think that took God by, mis- by surprise. I don't think it's a mistake. I believe that when God was breathing his word and writing down these boundaries in the Bible, he had 2017 in mind. He knew where we would live today. He was speaking to us, and we have not taken God off guard. God has created boundaries, spiritual boundaries in our life, that when we live inside, we are going to be healthy we are going to be safe. We will not become addicted. We will not become in, uh, uh, enslaved. Sin is destructive. 
There's no two ways about it. And what it does is that it will lure us out of the boundaries God has set for us. It will give us a high, and then we will crash and burn, and it will ultimately kill us. It's not something to mess around with. But the power and the safety that God has for us when we live inside of our spiritual boundaries is everything. The second type of boundary that we're going to talk about this morning. Oh, wait, before I go there, I got a verse. I never wanted to skip over a verse. Man, if there's nothing, if there's anything I say this morning, the most invaluable part, the most valuable part will be the Bible. Just a few verses down in Psalm 16. We talk, just talking about how sin will kill us. Psalm 1611 says, You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. The boundaries that God is setting up for us is so that we can have the path to life eternal. It never has to end. So the second, now moving on, the second type of boundary that we have is a physical boundary. Does that mean, like, you can't leave Tacoma? Like, that's a physical boundary. That's not what God's saying here. A physical boundary is, these are the boundaries that we set for ourselves. If you have children in your home, these are the boundaries that, we, that you set for your children as well. There are so, only so many hours in the day, right? 24 hours in a day. What is it, like 168 hours a week? 8,000 some hours in a year. And we have to figure out where we're going to give our time. Where we're going to give... Um, or we're going to give our commitment. We should be sleeping for about a third of those hours. I am not sleeping a third of the hours of the day because I have a baby who wakes me up all the time. But you should be sleeping about, you know, a third of those hours. And it's very easy for us to commit to things, to try to give ourselves to things that we think are good, but we don't really know if they're the right thing. I think this is where we take a lot of our anxieties about making decisions over and over again. It's like, okay, well, how much time should I have for rest? How much time should I have for coffee? How much time should I have for transporting my children? You know, I mean, those types of things. And we go around and around and around, and we get so busy that we become ineffective. Do you have boundaries around your time, around your family? I think that when we talk about boundaries, it's easy to liken it to a fence. Because we say, like, oh, there's a fence around your home. But the thing with the fence is that you can see it from a ways out. These types of boundaries, they're invisible. And you don't necessarily know that you've crossed over them until it's already done. So where are these boundaries? I think it's easy to figure out where the boundaries lie when you know what God has called you to in this season. What is your purpose on the earth? Because when you find those things out, it's pretty easy to figure out what you need to be giving your time to. You know, Elisha and I have, you know, we've got these little kids at home. And because of that, we have very tight boundaries right now. There's not a lot that we can do. Um, we, one of the boundaries that we've set for our family is that um, back when Law was a baby, we set this that, that no more than two times a week would we let them miss their bedtime. No more than two times a week. So on, when we had church here on Saturday nights, we would, he would miss his bedtime about 45 minutes. His bedtime was 7.30. He would get home. And he would go to bed about 8.15. So we said there's only one other night of the week that he can miss his bedtime. So if we had life group, that meant that if somebody wanted to hang out that week, we'd say either you can come to our house or we'll have to schedule you for next week because we need to protect our, we need to protect our children's sleep. And the reason for that is 
if you've been around little kids, if they miss their bedtime, they are like crazy the next day, right? You can't do anything in the morning. And then by like 11 p.m., they're full on melting down, asking for juice. There is no juice in the house. And that's the moment that you go into the bathroom, you shut the door, and you cry because that's the only safe place in the house. I don't want to live every day like that. So for us, we said two times a week our kids can miss bedtime because we want to be with people in the evenings and they've got pretty early bedtimes. And that's a boundary we've set because our priority in this season is to raise our kids to be adults who love Jesus. Our priority in this season is to be here in this church, in this community, ministering to one another. But our priority is our family. We have to set boundaries around our family. I don't know, if we hadn't made that boundary and we were letting him miss his bedtime over and over and over again, I would have noticed that we'd crossed over that boundary because it would have had ripple effects. What is the purpose of the season that you are in right now? And how does that dictate the way that you spend your time? And no matter what season you're in, you need a Sabbath. You need a day of rest. In our, in our culture today, we get two days of rest on the weekend, hopefully. Use that time effectively. Now, the third boundary we're going to talk about this morning is emotional boundaries. These are boundaries that we set with others. Notice I didn't say you set them for others. You can't make anybody do anything, but you set these boundaries with other people. Um, So when I was in high school, I had a best friend. And, like, we were the types of best friends. We were the best friends that, like, spent all of our time together. We met at 14 from freshman through senior year. We spent all our time together. You know, this was before, I think texting kind of boomed when we were kind of in later high school. And um, neither one of us had phones, neither one of us liked to text. So it wasn't like we were constantly texting each other. We were just together all the time. We scheduled all of our classes together. We were in choir together. We did extracurriculars together. She was a Christian who loved Jesus. And so we led worship together. We went to church together. We led small groups together. I mean, like, I would sometimes walk to her house at 6 in the morning to get ready with her for school. Like, all of our time was together. We were very, very, very close. Now, you know that you're really close with your friend when, um, well, in high school, I was the mascot for a while, which was the best job in the world, honestly. Besides the fact that the mascot uniform, I was a bobcat, it stank so bad. Like, it was disgusting. It had been used for many, many, many years. And by the time that I was in there, if you have ever been inside of one of those big mascot, you know, things, it's... It's gross. Totally gross. So I was the mascot in high school for a while, and um, my best friend was not. Like, that was my thing. But she always kind of wanted to be. She's like, that's the coolest job in the world. I wish I was the mascot. So our high school, I went to Aberdeen High School, and Aberdeen has, a, um, has the longest-running high school rivalry this side of the Mississippi. You can put that in your back pocket and keep it. Um, it's the biggest, longest-running high school rivalry with Hoquiam. So if you are from Hoquiam, I don't really want to talk to you, but I love you in Jesus' name. <laughs> we had our 100-year rivalry football game when I was in high school. This was a big deal. ESPN came. I mean, it was like ESPN 8, but it was still ESPN. <laughs> it was huge. If you've ever been to Aberdeen, it's a small town. The whole town comes out for this. So I got to be the mascot for that. And she said to me, she was like, wow, that's so cool. I wish that I could be. And I was like, you want to be too? I'll do the first half. You do the second half. If you want to know the lengths of friendship, like how close you have to be to take the mascot uniform off and put it on your own body, that is a 
that is a level of friendship that most people never hit. And I don't really want to ever hit that again. That was gross. <laughs> we were so tight. Now, when we met, it was right at the beginning of high school, and her family had gone, um, right before we met, they had gone through a huge, huge trauma, which I won't get into the details of, but it was, it was massive. It blew apart their family, and um, she loved the Lord. And in that time, I got to see that we were so close in high school, I got to see God do incredible miracles in their family of healing, of reconciliation. But she was processing it. We would talk for hours and hours about the things that were going on in her life, and I would cry with her. And I would, I would rejoice with her when something went wrong. She would call me when she got in a fight with her parents, and I would get mad with her on the phone. Like, oh, I cannot believe that. I was there with her. And I loved it because I loved her. I loved her family. I was close to her whole family. And it got to the place, and I, lo- I thought that it was a good, good thing because the Bible says, lay down your life for a friend. That's what I was doing. Shoulder the burden. The problem was, was that it got to the place where when I was kind of toward the end of high school, I would get in a fight with my own parents. I would get in a fight with my siblings. And I would go into my room, which to me was my safe place. That was my, that was my home. I would shut the door and I would be mad. Mad at them, mad at my siblings, mad at whatever was going on. But very quickly, I would stop thinking about what I was mad about and start thinking about her family. I'd be like, oh, I'm so mad at my parents, but it's not as bad as what happened to my best friend. Oh, how can we fix this? And I would like brainstorm the ways that I could fix her family I couldn't even think about my own pain. Now, if that sounds weird to you, it's because it is. That's weird. That's not the way that God has made us to be. But what I did was that I took my boundary line and I moved it over into her territory. I said, what God has given you to bear, I'm going to bear it for you. And what I thought I was doing was relieving her load. But what it was is I just took on hers and she still had hers. This was not shouldering a burden. This was taking the burden and making it my own. The Bible does say that it's wonderful to lay your life down for a friend, but it is your life to lay down. You are the one that chooses to lay down that life, and it needs to remain your life. You don't have the same territory. Everybody has their own lot. Do you know that in Israel, it was a very serious offense to move a neighbor's boundary line? Like, it was a big deal. It says in Deuteronomy... 1914, it says, do not move your neighbor's boundary stone set by, by your predecessors and the inheritance you receive in the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Deuteronomy 27:17 says, cursed is anyone who steals property from a neighbor by moving a boundary marker. How do you know that in your relationships you have not moved your emotional boundary marker into somebody else's territory? When it happens... You don't, really, you don't realize that it's happening. How do you know? Well, peace is an excellent barometer. Do you have peace? Do you have peace in your relationships? Now, for those of you that are like me, that are people pleasers, who like to help people, I, have to, I just have to speak to you right now. I need to let you know that in your relationship, a, a buzz, like a high, a satisfaction, is not peace. You may get a buzz, a high, from taking on somebody else's burden because you feel like you're saving them. You feel like you're helping them. You feel like you're coming into the best relationship you've ever had. But that buzz will let you down. You will crash and burn because you are carrying somebody else's burden. You are watering their lawn and neglecting your own. And that's not just going to affect you. That affects your marriage. That affects your children. This will affect the legacy that you leave behind because you can't take care of what God has given you. You're putting everything over to them. 
Do you have peace? Can you walk into a situation and know and say what David said, that you have made my lot secure? Oh, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Church, I know that setting or resetting a boundary can be painful. It's, I mean, it's, 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 it's incredibly painful when it happens. Because what will happen is that you have this piece of land that you've been living in, and God sets a boundary right there in the middle. He says, I only want you to live on this side. What happens? Well, on this side, sometimes your identity is over here on this side. Your habits, the things that you've always done. There is your flesh over on this side. A great example would be a diet. When you stop, stop eating certain foods, your flesh literally will die. It'll go away. And it's not pleasant while it's happening. But what ends up happening on the other side is that when you let God shape you through his boundaries and you stop trying to set your own boundaries, you have life. You have life abundantly. And on the other side of letting that, of letting that chunk of land die, that chunk of yourself pass away, what will end up happening is that you'll be like David and you say, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places, O Lord. This is pleasant. I love these boundary lines. I know in my life when God has freed me of sin, when God has freed me of patterns and addictions that ravaged my life, I now look at those boundary lines that God set, and I'm like, oh, that's my favorite boundary. I love this boundary. I don't know if you've experienced that in relationships. You know, my, my best friend from high school, she's still my best friend. We had to take about two or three years where we weren't very close to reestablish boundary lines. But that friendship is precious to me. I am grateful, though, for the boundaries that God has set. Now, there may be a time when God is setting your boundaries that he's going to bring in your boundaries tight. That you feel like there's not a whole lot of room for you to live. But as he, as you are living healthy, God will continue to expand those boundaries further and further. And he's going to give you a greater inheritance. Church, boundaries keep things out, but they also keep things in. And that health and security is what God wants for you because he loves you. Will you pray with me this morning? Holy Spirit, we thank you for who you are. God, I thank you that you want to speak to us this morning. I just feel like, Lord, you're you're speaking to my heart right now and saying that you want to release joy on us this morning. That as we have boundary lines set and reset, God, you want to release joy in us. God, I pray that that joy would be our strength, Lord God, that as we are setting these boundaries, you would give us, you would give us the, the passion and the encouragement, the stamina and the strength to move forward in setting these boundaries and keeping them there. Thank you, God, that you say in 2 Kings that you are the restorer of boundaries. God, that you have a place for them to be to begin with, but God, that you will restore them when they have fallen away. God, would you show us where those boundaries are? We love you, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. Church, this week we're talking, we talked about what boundaries keep out. But next week we're gonna talk about what our boundaries keep in. Because to me, that's more exciting. The moment of setting boundaries can be hard, But what's going to last with you, what's going to take you into eternity is going to be the inheritance that's inside of those boundaries. Amen? All right, church. Will you stand with me?